The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is up, everybody? It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you. It's Wednesday night. That means it's time for John and I to get together, update you on things going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, give our opinions, analysis, and you can take it for what it's worth <laughs> and run with it. This is a very important offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals based on how 2021 went for them and the trajectory of the team going forward. So we've got a lot to talk about in terms of free agency targets some draft stuff, all kinds of different things. We're going to focus a little more heavily on free agency this week because that kicks off literally a week from today in terms of the whole shebang, the whole frenzy. And as I mentioned, I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined as usual by the man, the myth, the legend, John Sheeran. What's going on, John? Man, it's the two, it, it is a weird two-year anniversary. Um, two years ago, we did a show on just what we thought was like a regular Wednesday night. And Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz put his hands on a bunch of microphones and then the entire world shut down. With oh COVID. my gosh, that's right. Wow. I yeah. distinctly remember because we were doing a show and, or maybe it was like, I don't know if the Gobert thing happened the night before, but like he was um, listed out with an illness. And then like, I, I think it was like a Thunder basketball game that got canceled. Yeah. And, and I remember coming off of the show, like after talking to you, turning on Twitter and seeing the NBA is like in shutdown mode and everything kind of seemed, at least in the United States, snowballed from there. So mm-hmm. it's a very, I can't, I cannot believe that was two years ago. It's a lifetime ago for, for me personally. I don't know about you. No, it, it feels like it in, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this on the, the Monday happening headline show that, you know, the NFL made a, I think you wrote it up on cincyjungle.com that the NFL has lifted its protocols essentially, still will have testing options and be monitoring folks who are sick and whatnot. But I kind of, you know, as crazy as that situation is that you were talking about and thinking back to that, that that's great because we have a new segment, Remember When, um, yeah. later later in this show. Uh, but it, it's, to, to your point, it's now, you know, the NFL making that step on the COVID front um, does show how how things have progressed on that front and uh, trended towards a more positive direction. So that for sure is is good news there. But yeah, wow, I, it's hard to believe that that's 
That's right. You know, it's basically right around St. Patrick's Day in general when the U.S. Yeah. kind of shut down a couple of years ago. I remember that because I was set to go on a trip and do some different things. And it was just like all of a sudden it was like, nope. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. But looks like we're we're starting to kind of get out of this thing, which is which is good news. And hopefully things keep trending, trending that way. So some big news with the NFL on that front. There's some big news with the Bengals as well. Specifically, we'll talk about a few of the pieces of news, rumors, all that kind of stuff, the validity of those. We've got, as I mentioned, a free agency profile of a player. One of those rumors that the Bengals are connected to, we'll be talking about him as well as a free agency kickoff. We were going to do like a free agency mock, but we're going to kind of do it a little different. We're going to kind of talk about some different targets, how realistic some of those players may or may not be, what the true spending money is, because John made a very nice PSA infomercial for everybody on his Twitter account today that we want to share with you if you have not seen that. So we will get to all of that in just a second. Just a little bit of housekeeping, of course. This show, along with Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from the coach, Matt Minnick, are all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. And you can get the audio versions of that channel by subscribing to it on your favorite audio streamer. And we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major ones. And if you like the video format of what we do, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. There is an icon right underneath John and by that SB Nation Cincy Jungle logo at the bottom corner of your screen. Click that and subscribe. Click the bell to be notified as to when we go live, when new content is available, and uh, leave us a review if you can, whether it's on the audio side or the video side. We always appreciate feedback, and hopefully you like what we're doing. We appreciate your support. We like doing this stuff and get you, getting you your Bengals fix, your NFL fix, however you may listen to us, so we appreciate the support. John, the inevitable happened. The Cincinnati Bengals franchise tagged Jesse Bates, and I titled this kind of on, on Monday on the headline show, I titled it kind of bittersweet because you kind of knew it was coming. You know, he's going to be around essentially, unless some team does something unimaginable uh, and tries to strike a big trade and whatnot for, I mean, Jesse Bates is going to be a Bengal in 22. Um, and so there is at least that to hang on to. It's the long-term uncertainty it's probably not sitting overly well with him because he wanted a long-term deal and, you know, obviously a, a bigger deal to, in general, just uh, to show how the team values him. But Jesse Bates is a Cincinnati Bengal for at least 22 as the team tries to work on a long-term deal through the franchise tag. Inevitable because of the entire process of negotiations having been stalled before the 2021 season, you have to think that, after everything that he went through that's in that season, a season, a season that didn't stand to what he did in 2020. Of course, he ended on a high note in the playoffs and whatnot. And you would think that that would revamp some of the, of the momentum that he had going in to the beginning of, the, of negotiations. But I, it just seemed like the Bengals price never really changed on this. And Jesse Bates is not going to be that player that makes them change their um, overall contract structures and their principles in regards to, that part of the of the negotiation so yeah it just led to them tagging him and they don't always tag players like the last one was aj green but the one before that was michael johnson and unfortunately for the most part the guys that they end up tagging they also let leave in free agency because that's just the reality of the situation very rarely do you see players who get tagged 
then re-sign with the team a year later. If it happens, it'll happen before the July 15th deadline. And that's important now. It's the final, it really is the final deadline for these two sides to come together on the deal because by July 15th, if Jesse Bates has not agreed to a long-term contract, he is forced to play under the franchise tag. If he plays at all, he can sit out um, that there that is a possibility, but he will probably not want to forfeit $12.9 million. Right. And that's another aspect to this, Anthony, as well. Like, Jesse Bates' salary last season was, I think, just over $2 million because he was, I think he hit, he hit incentives with his rookie deal. Now he's making six times as much as that. So mm-hmm. there's obviously still long-term insecurity, and no one should blame him for having doubts about that. But it, it is a little bit better in his stance that he is playing for a decent paycheck, and he is still very young. He's still 25 years old, so he's still definitely in the prime of his career to eventually get the bag that he wants and if he hits free agency next season there's no doubt so long that he doesn't get hurt or he doesn't completely fall off a cliff he will eventually get that bag of course though getting hurt is the main concern here and that's why you, you probably won't see jesse bates work out when workouts just to avoid any, any of those unnecessary activities in, in the chance that he suffers some type of an injury and that's something that uh, unfortunately they're gonna have to monitor but if they weren't going to give him the guarantees that he wanted this was always going to be the outcome, and now they have four months to try to do something about it. Bittersweet because, like you said, a six-time pay raise, I guess, or uh, you know, six times as much as he was making last year, essentially as a Cincinnati Bengals, but as a Cincinnati Bengals player. But the bittersweet part of that also is the cap hit is significantly higher for the Bengals this season, and obviously, you know, we had some questions on that headline show. Does that mean they'll still have money to more money to spend somehow if he's on the franchise tag? No, it does not mean that. Um, you know, the idea was that they would have some sort of longer term deal in place where they could spread out that cap hit aside from the front the front first year, even if the average annual salary would be higher potentially than what he is making this year. But the here's the thing though, is you know, again, even though that does potentially prohibit them or, or take a little bit away cap hit wise for the year to other free agents. The thing with it though, John, is this is probably already the contingency plan they had in place in terms of cap, in terms of numbers and all of that. They kind of said, you know, worst case scenario, we're going to, we're going to franchise tag him. This is going to be the cap hit and we're going to work our off season plan around that cap hit. And if we're able to restructure a longer term deal to spread out that ca- that cap hit instead of a 12.9 maybe something a, a little bit less great but if not we're going to we're going to kind of work within the confines of that tag so you know we kind of had some people asking about that and you know what do you think about room based on the franchise tag it does not provide the Bengals more room it provides it actually in in a lot of ways less um it's just more the fact that now they, that plan that they've had in place and the fact that they have that tag, that number that they likely planned on all along is, is officially there. So let, let's clear some of this up because you're right. Like of all the things that they had to plan for in free agency, like Jesse Bates and that tag number, that's something that they were very well aware of. They had at least a ballpark idea of how much that that would cost the official tag price. I don't think I released until Monday this week when I think right after uh, the report came out that they tagged Jesse Bates, but that is something that you're right. They accounted for in their plans and free agency, and obviously they've been negotiating this for a while now, and it's always been kind of in the back of their minds. But 
we have to start looking at these contracts in terms of cash versus cap. And I know the the conversation has been, oh, if they franchise tag Jesse Bates, then that raises his cap hit compared to what his cap hit would be if they extended him. In theory, yes. For example, like uh, who's the guy? Harold Landry signed like a five year deal with the Titans, and I think his his cap hit in this year, year one, is like five million, but he's getting paid like something like nineteen million a year. Right. So all, all around the league, the the general standard contract, giant contracts. They, they can have lower cap hits. Like Kenny Galdi is another great example. His cap hit last year was like $4 million. He's getting an average annual value of $18 million. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way for the Bengals because they don't operate with guaranteed salaries. So what they do in their negotiations is that they typically give a lot of cash in year one, but in the form of a roster bonus, which goes onto the cap in the first year. So if Jesse Bates signed an extension, say like $18 million per year, say that, that that is the number that Jesse Bates wanted to hit, he wanted to reach the top of the market and, what, and whatnot, if his cap hit was eighteen million per year, for the Bengals, his year one cap hit wouldn't have been something like six million. But the way that they would have structured that, his cap hit still would have been probably at least twelve million on the cap this year, which is lower than the average annual value for the extension. But it's not at that number, right? So the franchise tag, I don't think, saves them that much money, or it, right. it doesn't like an extension in theory. I don't think would have saved them that much money compared to the tag, but. The all the other side of this is the cash aspect. They're only paying Jesse Bates thirteen million in cash this year in general. If they had extended him, they would have paid him probably close to twenty five, thirty million in year one cash. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that much, but definitely over twenty million in cash. And the Bengals, when they go into free agent planning, they don't think of necessarily about the cap. They think about the cash that they have at hand because, like we talked about with Andre Parada last year. The, the ratio between cash and cap spending that the Bengals typically have is a, is right around one to one. And the cap for this year for the Bengals for, for just any NFL team is just under 210 million. The Bengals right now, after paying Jesse Pates, this franchise tag, their cash commitments is just over 130 million. So they're on track to spend 70 to 80 million more just in cash. And most of that is going to go to free agency. And if they had extended Jesse Bates, their cash commitments right now would be a little bit higher than would be if they just tagged him. So honestly, tagging Jesse Bates gives them more cash flexibility entering free agency. I know it doesn't always look like that because we think just in cap, but in cash, which is what the Bengals like to think about, they actually have a little bit more flexibility. Well, Derek Farrow or Faro in the YouTube chat, who by the way is a big, big fan of, of yours, um, saying thank God he's John's here uh, <laughs> and other and other comments here. But do you think, you know, he, he asked the question, do we think the problem uh, is is the guaranteed money? Can someone explain how much a player gets if he plays the whole year before he gets hurt? We talked about guaranteed money. I kind of ran through that on the happening headlines. So, Derek, I know John wasn't on that show, but if you can grind through a John-less episode of the show, we talked about the guaranteed money on that show, but I do think Derek brings up a good question here about the, the guaranteed money because that seems to continue to be a talking point with the Bengals and their star players. And we'll we'll move on from Jesse in just a second here. But uh, to to Derek's point, uh, giving us the question in the live YouTube chat, do we think Jesse's problem is the guaranteed money? I would I would assume because that yes. continues to kind of yeah, I mean that, that continues to kind of be the talking point. Hundred percent. Like they offered him something in the range of probably like 15, 16 million per year, which is standard for them. That's like the highest extension that they've ever offered anybody. And all the guarantee money is in the signing bonus, maybe a signing bonus, 15, 20 million, something like that. I think DJ reader got a signing bonus of about 20 million over four years. It, it's about what you would expect, but yeah, no guaranteed salaries. If Jesse Bates gets hurt, 
They don't have to pay him those base salaries. But of course, the whole motto with the Bengals is, hey, you signed this extension. We developed and drafted you. We want you here for the entirety of that contract. And even if you get hurt, we're not going to cut you halfway through that contract. You're going to see the majority of that money. Well, for guys who know that they can make phenomenal deals elsewhere, it's not the greatest negotiating tactic because even if they do get cut at other teams, they at least have that guaranteed money in their back pocket, knowing that it's coming to them, knowing it's going to get paid up front in, in some cases. So it doesn't always work for some of these guys. To put a bow on this, there's been a little bit made of a quote by Katie Blackburn in a press release. And the quote is on the article in which I pinned in the live chats for both the Facebook chat and the Cincy Jungle chat. Um, quote, Jesse has been an outstanding player here for four years. Over the past year, we've tried to extend his contract here in Cincinnati. And while that hasn't come to pass, we want him here for 2022 to be part of what we think should be an exciting football season and bright future for our organization. I feel like I kind of took that maybe a little bit differently than some folks. I think some folks read that and maybe saw a little bit of passive aggression in there uh, and or, hey, we tried. Uh, it hasn't come. It hasn't worked yet. Uh, I, I don't know that I, I see a little bit of that, but I don't know that that's how I necessarily took it at first blush. Um, I just kind of feel it's just kind of a blanket statement and we tried to work out a deal and it hasn't worked as of yet. The one thing that was not mentioned that I thought was interesting is, you know, uh, there's nothing about, you know, we're going to continue to try and work out a long-term deal for him or anything like that. And maybe they don't want to lay all of that out on the table on a, on a simple press release, but I don't know. How, how did you take that quote when you, when you read that? Yeah. People really, really overanalyzed this and took it the way that, Oh, it seems like they don't really want to extend him now. Well, They've tried now for a year and neither side has really budged in this regard. So mm -hmm. it's honestly at just at the point where maybe these two sides just don't see eye to eye with this thing. And the, the ball is in Jesse's court. Like that offer is there. I think it's going to remain there for July. Like they would love if he would sign this deal. Like I, I think the perceptions now is like, oh, the Bengals don't want to extend Jesse Bates. That's never been the case. They, of course, want to, to extend Jesse Bates. They want to extend him at their price. And yeah. if it's up to Jesse just to accept that price. And that's that's. Coming from me, that sounds very, you know, owner oriented or, or team oriented. And I try to typically take the player side of this. But at the end of the day, like the, the team has their prerogative and they have their price for, for this kind of player. And we can talk about, you know, they're still behind the times in some of these in some of these avenues where they're not offering, you know, modernized contracts and keeping up with the rest of the league. But if Jesse Bates wants to be a Cincinnati Bengal, he can sign that deal. And odds are he will see the majority, if not all 100 percent of that deal's value. So he either signs it comes July if he doesn't want to deal with another contract year or he doesn't, he plays on the tag and probably enters free agency next year. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are some benchmark deals to monitor out there, whether uh, it's Simmons in, in Denver or Jamal Adams. I mean, there's a lot of benchmark deals out there for which both sides could point to. And it just seems like there's a little bit of a stalemate here. And so, um, you know, we'll see if things change in the in the coming months obviously they'll continue talking i, I would assume that's going to continue on but we'll see if if that the ice melts so to speak and jesse bates gets inked to a long-term deal we'll see what happens the Bengals try and sign a lot of their core players to long-term deals but that's usually the summer before they hit free agency and jay morrison put out uh, some great information that i relayed on the headline show in terms of the Bengals haven't had great success in terms of retaining or re-signing in the same season as they tag a player they have not had great success parlaying that into an immediate extension 
Um, I think I think Nugent was an exception that he signed a deal the year after that sort of thing. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens with this. But Jesse Bates is franchise tagged for the Bengals in 22. Now, some other rumors that we can talk about a little bit. One one that came about, uh, I think this was yesterday. <laughs> it was a little bit of a pipe dream initially, but now, well, yeah, and it, it, we all kind of said, oh, that'd be kind of a, a nice, you know, oh, that'd be kind of nice. But now all of a sudden there is a report, and you wrote this up on CincyJungle.com. Bengals are, quote, reportedly interested in free agent quarter, cornerback J.C. Jackson, who is uh, known as a, quite a bit of a ball hawk and had a great year with the Patriots last year. There's since been one of those cryptic Malik Wright tweets out there that have uh, that has kind of maybe sort of debunked this, I guess. I don't know. But what do you make of this whole deal, John, in terms of the Bengals reportedly interested in, in him? This, this would be a pricey, pricey deal. But this is, unlike safety, a position that they value and pay. Yeah, I just want to break news here. Um, John Sheeran is reportedly interested in dating Dua Lipa. Okay. Doesn't mean there you go. that I'm going to, but I would love to go out with Dua Lipa. The Bengals, I'm sure, love J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson wants to get paid if at the same rate, if not more, than Jalen Ramsey. The Cincinnati Bengals are not going to pay a cornerback a hundred million dollars with seventy something guaranteed. Like J.C. Jackson has 25 interceptions in his first four years. That is the most out of any player yep. in his first four years in the Super Bowl era. Okay, this guy is going to get paid. He's arguably the best available player on the free agent market, and he is going to command a ton of money. Look at the other names associated with him. The Chargers, the Niners, the Dolphins, all teams that have experience of reeling in like high priced talent and aren't afraid to throw that money around. I don't know how the Bengals got mixed in here, but this honestly just seems like JC's agent just trying to up his price a little bit and the Bengals somehow got involved. I don't really know as well who jordan schultz is i believe he's affiliated with the game day nfl but he's mainly i think an nba insider i don't know what connections he has to jc or his agent but yeah this this in in the nicest way i could say this i don't, I don't know like a, a good way of saying bs but yeah this is bs i i, I think this might be a leverage move as well 100%. Um, and it's interesting to me to say, you know, the Dolphins all have legitimate interest in the All-Pro. Well, the Dolphins also have Xavier and Howard on the roster. So, and that's been, you know, between the relationship between the team and Howard there, that's been all over the place. So, you know, again, it's going to be what's the price tag? I'm sure the Bengals would be like, yeah, that'd be a nice player to get. Pair him with Awuja and there, there's your starting corners, especially when you're going to get presumably Trey Wayne's off the books, maybe, maybe Trey Hopkins as well to free up a little bit more space. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe it, it just, Hey, if the price is right, we're interested, but the price is probably not going to be right. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, that's probably the, the reality of it. Um, you know, and, and I think John, the only, the only situation I can see, this playing out, but I, I don't really see it playing out this way because of the big jump in the salary cap number this year um, is if he kind of did the Darrell Revis, I'm going to take a, a lucrative one-year rental deal with a contender. If he views the Bengals as such really play well, if, if he overvalues himself in the market and I'm going to go play for a contender, really, really try and win, you know, kind of ring chase, if you will, which is always now really fun to say when you're talking about the Bengals. Um, <laughs> 
you know, ring chase and then, you know, take a one-year deal and then maybe test free agency again, kind of what Revis did a handful of years ago. Maybe that's a route that works for the Bengals and, and Jackson, but I, I still don't, I don't see, this is one of those guys that you see get signed immediately on, on the onset of free agency to some blockbuster deal. I would think. Yeah. Like there could be a slim chance that his market for whatever reason is not what it is. Maybe teams are just like, you know what? This is a Patriot that's entering the free agent market. We typically know how this goes. They will join a new team. They don't end up being the same player. Then they go back to the Patriots. Maybe, maybe that is the case. And maybe his market is not shaping up the way he wants to be. And if that's the case, then yes, maybe the Bengals can get involved on a deal significantly less than what he's after. But there's also this thing about, oh, the Bengals value. They prioritize cornerbacks. They like to pay them. Yes, and still kind of no. I would say it's it's just like offensive tackle, right? The Bengals value offensive tackles, but they never paid a top offensive tackle. They never paid an offensive lineman in general over $10 million a year. You look at Trey Waynes. Oh, they made him one of the top paid cornerbacks. They signed Trey Waynes a day after Byron Jones signed with the Miami Dolphins. Byron Jones got as much guaranteed money as the entire value of Trey Waynes' deal. So, yes, they paid Trey Waynes a decent amount of coin, but not even close in comparison to the top paid cornerback at that time. So, Yes, the Bengals do value cornerback. That's not a, an incorrect statement, but not at the rate where they would just sacrifice all of their principles here. Yeah, I just, I don't, I, I would be very, very surprised to see something like this take place. Um, again, it, it would kind of take a creative deal or kind of something off the wall for this to stick. I do, I, I don't doubt that the Bengals have interest there or maybe have acquired to see what maybe, you know, what's going on there in some capacity. Um legally of course but uh i don't i don't uh i i just that's not something i really foresee being a realistic op option for the Bengals. but they will probably chase corners at some point because of the aforementioned wayne's signing or, or release rather um the signing that did not work out a couple of years ago unfortunately because of injuries and whatnot support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, 
One other rumor that has started started to surface, we've heard this name a bunch of times, and it's been kind of one of those, wow, if the Bengals could get this guy, they'd really have a successful offseason. Obviously, the price tag being what it is and everything. Um, and we'll talk about that. This is going to kind of segue into a free agency profile that we're going to talk about. But this is from Andrew Filipponi, who uh, covers the Steelers on Twitter here. And this came out uh, today, this afternoon or evening for some. Uh, it was, was it Jeremy Hathorn? Jeff Hathorn, who also works for um, a local radio station in Pittsburgh, 97, uh, 93.7 The Fan. Quote, I think you could put the Ryan Jensen rumor to bed. 95% he ends up in Cincinnati. Now, I did look at uh, the at Jay Hathorn, at least recent tweets and whatnot. There doesn't seem to be a ton of insider information there um, in terms of, you know, breaking breaking where players are going to land, John. But uh, I don't uh, – but we'll talk about Ryan Jensen's strengths, weaknesses, pros, cons, all that kind of stuff, and a little bit of background as we look at his profile. But – on the surface of this rumor, what what do you make of that in terms of that 95% chance he ends up in Cincinnati from someone who who covers the Steelers? And the Steelers are a team that are reportedly very interested in Jensen as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did some background on him because I wanted to do some too. I wanted to make sure that wasn't the same dude that was clowning Bengals fans. For going <laughs> I, I think it was from that same, it could be from the same radio station, but I don't know. Well, what I would assume is that since he's, I would assume connected to the Steelers. He covers the Steelers for that radio. I would assume he has sources inside of the Steelers building. The Steelers have interest in Ryan Jensen. Maybe a source who doesn't want to be named is hearing that Jensen is likely to end up elsewhere. In this case, it is probably going to be Cincinnati. So it's probably going to be between Tampa and the Bengals because the Buccaneers love to retain their own. Um, I don't know what their cap situation is now that Tom Brady is going to be retired. I think his contract is still technically on the book right now, and they're in the red in terms of cap room, but like they are going to make a push for him and they can structure it in a way that they can fit it under the cap. But it does it like th there is significant smoke with Ryan Jensen in, in that name in the Bengals. There's now been several reports connecting the, the two sides and uh, enough to make you believe that that is legitimate. I don't, I don't really have a comment on the whole 95%. I think that's just, it, it could be what he's quoting from someone inside the Steelers organization who, who again may or may not have, the correct information as to what Jensen's market is or where he's going to end up. But some of these guys are connected more so than others. And I, I think that just further corroborates what we, we've been hearing about th this name and, you know, the, the whole argument of are the Bengals going to match an offer for Jensen or whatnot. At the very least, he seems to be the guy or one of the guys that they're going to target and at least be serious about bringing in. It, it, yeah, it seems that that is where their interests lie, whether it's Bozeman, whether it's Ryan Jensen. And, you know, last week we did Morgan Moses as a free agency profile for the Bengals here. And there hasn't been really any rumors of the team being connected to him. Moses has since not been franchise tagged, as we predicted, by the Jets. So he, he will be a free agent um, option. And, and maybe the Bengals pursue that as a right tackle option. But there continues to be rumors of the Bengals being interested in Ryan Jensen. That's just kind of the reality of it. So let's take a look at Ryan Jensen here in terms of a little bit of a profile. There he is. You know, we had a great question in, in one of our comments, I think, 
about Morgan Moses asking, you know, how did he do against the Bengals? We'll have to do a little more research on that. But Jensen hasn't played the Bengals in, in a while. I think it was since Jameis Winston was the quarterback is the last time uh, he had played the Bengals. So there's not really a lot of recent context there. But a guy who had a really good season, oddly enough, entering his ninth season um, last year as, as an eighth eight-year guy, he made a Pro Bowl last year, but he's 6'4", 320. Uh, he's 30 years old, going to be 31 in May. Um, again, he's entering his ninth season, much like, uh, you know, it's, there's just issues with age potentially. Went to Colorado State Pueblo. Um, he had a pretty good PFF score overall last uh, last season, 70.3. I think uh, Morgan Moses, we had said, was was in the low 70s as well, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, these aren't guys that are, you know, the top of the PFF list, but they're solid and there's a reason why this guy made a Pro Bowl this last season, was previously with the Ravens, so has, um, you know, AFC North familiarity. You see there the, the recent the recent high level of play, the 2021 Pro Bowler. Durability, even though he's getting up there in age, he does have 87 straight starts. Hasn't missed a game since I think it was 2014. Uh, you know, known as a good leader and then does have some outside zone familiarity. You can see the 19 to 28% that that's based on the kind of personnel that the, um, the Tampa was running there. The 28% was, was, you know, at the high end of things in terms of Buc Buccaneers run plays. Again, the age is going to be 31 by the time he would suit up potentially for the Bengals uh, appears to be price issues in terms of how much, they, the Bengals would maybe be willing to pay uh, him. And so that would probably be one of the only things that would prohibit him. As we talk about how the Bengals structure contracts, etc. that may be one of the only things that prohibits him from being a Cincinnati Bengal, John. And then of course, you know, there are a lot of kind of coinciding with the price issue. Um, there are a lot of teams reportedly interested in his service. So um, whether and a lot of those teams, I think, are um, in the AFC North. Uh, so I mean, there's some there's some interest there. Which and then you kind of also go along with the price. Does the age? Does that PFF score? All of that? Does that match a mega contract that would probably need to be given out to a Jensen uh, for a position that the Bengals haven't paid regularly in center? So your thoughts on him and his fit with the Bengals? Reality of him being a Cincinnati Bengal going forward. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it's not just the Steelers and Bengals. I mean, he played, like, he came into the league with the Ravens, and the Ravens have interest in bringing him back, which kind of tells you that Bradley Bozeman is going to be somewhere else, and maybe the yeah. the Jets make that payment for him. I, I believe, like, the Jets and Jaguars are in on Bozeman, and, like, <laughs> we talk all this all, all of this about Ryan Jensen, and then he just goes back to his former team in the Ravens, because, of course, I, I think with Jensen... The PFF scores have been brought up a lot, and he gets um, knocked for some true pass set scores and whatnot. And sometimes he has some ugly wins here or ugly losses here and there. Maybe it doesn't always look pretty flashy and whatnot. But the general consensus is that the guy is just rock solid, consistent, and that's just something that the Bengals haven't had in the interior offensive line in a long time. I'm a resident Trey Hopkins stan. I think he's a, f a great player for just how he came into the NFL and what where he's totally. developed to now, but like even though Trey Hopkins has some good things going for him, Ryan Jensen's just a step above him, and that may not be reflective in the PFF grades, which I think hold a ton of validity. But you watch Ryan Jensen, the football player, and you just know that he's a very good player, even now entering his 30s, which is why teams 
are reportedly willing to pay north of 13, 14, even 15 million dollars per year for him. There's not really a scheme that he doesn't really fit. There's some minor concerns with him, you know, fitting in like a wide zone scheme because he's not the ultra uber athlete that the guy like a Jason Kelsey is. But Frank Pollock wants quote unquote glass eaters. Ryan Jensen eats glass for breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. Yes, he's he does. The nast- he's the nastiest block. He's one of the nastiest blockers in the game. Just look at him. He like that. That guy is not tough, or he's not not tough. Just looking at the guy, you know, like he, you know exactly what type of tone that he sets, and it's a very fierce one. There's some validity to being a leader on a Super Bowl team, having that relationship with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Like the guy is going to come in and he's going to establish or continue whatever culture that the Bengals are building right now. And I think that's probably what makes him their top priority in this free agency period. And there's an argument to be made. Are the Bengals willing to match any price that another team kind of counters for him? That remains to be seen. We don't know what type of bag that Ryan Jensen wants, but if the Bengals are the best team that's going after Ryan Jensen's services and they've been courting him for a while now, and he has a mutual interest with joining Joe Burrow and the Bengals, there's a possibility that they get him for a little bit cheaper than maybe another team would. That's yeah. And, and when you talk about, you know, what schemes does he fit and you know, what, what the Buccaneers like to do over the past couple of seasons with Brady and what the Bengals are trying to build in Cincinnati, we, you know, we're not going to send Joe Burrow to the Tom Brady level quite, quite yet, but uh, I mean, that he, he is on a very good career pace, especially making a Super Bowl in his second NFL season. And you see, the Buccaneer style where they employ Fournette and other backs that are doing different things in, in their system. You see before Antonio Brown became Antonio Brown once again this year, potentially, and whatever side you want to take with the team or him or whatever. Uh, before all of that, you had Godwin, Brown, Mike Evans, the Bengals have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, right? I mean, so there's there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of offensive uh I guess visions that you would say, okay, that would make sense for, for Jensen here. Again, the, the age, we can talk about how durable he is. And we've, we've seen the Bengals bring in these durable, durable guys, and it has not worked out as such. So John, I think my main concern, I mean, yeah, the money is a concern, especially because it's not my money that's being spent, but but the money is a concern but it's more the age and and are you going to get true life out of that contract? I would assume he's probably going to get, at, as he enters this season, he's going to be 31 years old, maybe a three-year deal. I would assume that's probably what, what teams are looking at. You know, are you going to see the value out of that contract? Are you Are you comfortable, even with the 87 straight starts and all of that, hasn't missed a game since – you know, five, six years ago, are are you comfortable with a long-term deal to a guy at that age? Yeah, the interesting thing to me is, I mean, yes, he came from the Ravens, but I feel like he wasn't a known player for them when he was there, and then the Buccaneers out of nowhere gave him like a four-year, $42 million deal. His rise to that deal is actually very reminiscent of Trey Hopkins. He had if I'm counting this correctly, six contracts with the Ravens and all six of them expired at some point. Like he was on the mm. practice squad. He was waived. He was a street free agent. He was an exclusive rights free agent like twice. I don't know if he had the injury issues that Hopkins did, but the, the point is he came into the league at 23 years old, but he didn't actually start playing until like his mid 
to almost late twenties. So yes, he's 30 years old and yes, he's been the league since I believe 2013, but he's, I don't think he has the necessarily wear and tear on his knees and, and feet that another player, another offensive lineman at 30 years old does, which is maybe why teams are still willing to extend him for multiple years now at the age of 30. Like the big question to me is that, you know, are the Bengals willing, are, are they truly comfortable doing this? Because they've developed habits recently to only give big money to guys in their mid twenties. And Ryan Jensen would be by far the oldest free agent. That they've signed like a multi-year deal with in quite some time, if not since like what Antoine Odom or something like that. So mm-hmm. like at least in the Zach Taylor era, they've gone after guys like DJ reader, Von Bell guys who are 26, 27 years old. Ryan Jensen's a little bit on the older side, but I don't like, like you said, he's been durable. So there's no concerns in, t- in terms of injuries with that. But also I think he's kind of a, a young 30, if you will, because he doesn't have as much playing history. And obviously the consistency shows for itself. It does. I think it would be a very exciting move for the, for the team. There would be some risk to it. Um, I, I don't, I just, I don't know. Depending on what the price is, I don't know that you would see the full value of that. If you want to gauge it on PFF scores and where those have been, like you said recently, um, and or you know just the age and, and games you get out of them. But I, I think this this is a an upgrade move um, for the Bengals if they if they do that. And the one thing you know you mentioned it's a great point that in the last couple of off seasons, they are tendering contracts to young free agents. This is a guy who's a bit older. That kind of says we're, we're, we sense the championship window is continuing to be open here and we got to seize this. We got to get a guy who is, is valuable. And of course the leadership aspect and all of that, we got to get a guy to help anchor the middle of our offensive line, even if it's for two years, three years. And he seems to be the guy to do it, uh, to do it. And, We'll see if the Bengals land him, but there is no shortage of rumors of them being connected to him and or interested in him for sure. Yeah, and I, I think obviously they recognize that interior offensive line is a clear and obvious um, weakness, and we know that they have an inhibition about paying guards, so maybe this is just their compromise. Maybe if they believe that they get a, a top-tier center to fill out the middle of the offensive line, then things will start trending back upwards and maybe they can get some development at guard. Like obviously another solution would just to be pay guards and whatnot. But if they're compromised, if they're meeting halfway is to pay a center, then they see Jensen as the best option. And maybe if there are other potential options, if there are other top centers available on the market who are a little bit younger, maybe that's where their attention would be. But this is kind of the, the playing field that they have. It's either him or Bozeman, and at this point, you have to think that one of them is going to be a Bengal. And maybe like Bozeman, maybe Bozeman is going because he's younger and he has maybe like his best days ahead of them. Maybe that's why the Bengals are focusing on Jensen. Maybe Bozeman will get more real money and he will attract the likes of the Jets and Jags who are willing to pay that. Yeah, that's a good point, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm with you. I kind of, I, I don't like to assume, but I am under the belief <laughs> i'm just avoiding the word assume um i i i really do think that one of those two guys are, are going to be pushed heavily for and or become a bangle either bozeman or or jensen i just there's a lot of rumors around him i think the Bengals are really going to commit to fixing that offensive line and uh we'll, we'll see what happens but jensen is one of the guys you know moses like i said moses last week wasn't a guy necessarily that we've heard a lot of rumors about with the Bengals. really any rumors about the Bengals being connected with him, but he could be a viable short-term right tackle option. 
This is a guy who, in Jensen, is a guy who maybe be a little bit longer-term solution potentially at center, but there are the rumors there, so we wanted to at least talk about him a little bit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. On continue on here. You did everybody a great, great service on Twitter. Uh, I think this was was this posted today, yesterday, today. This is morning. Today, this morning. Yeah, I'm going to share this with folks, and hopefully they can they can hear it okay. This is a great. I mean, I, I love the music. I love where like for state. I was thinking I'm like for state your case or stat of the week or something. We got to have this music playing in the background for it because this was this was awesome. Ro- but royalty free, by the way, royalty free. So we're good. I love it. I love it. So we're going to, I'm going to play this. This was from John's Twitter account. Hopefully we can, we, you can hear this. Okay. But this is a great PSA. Well, actually preface it if you would, John, because there's, there's needs to be a little bit of context. There is a, an article out by Jeff Hobson. That is the annual free agency splash of cold water. Well, of course, every single year, Jeff Hobson releases an article right around when the Bengals are having their, like their private press release as to, okay, here's what the salary cap situation looks like. Jeff Hobson gets a number from the Bengals. That's their projected spending number based off of their current cap situation. And he puts that number into this article. People read the article because people read Bengals.com. And every single year, it's the same reaction. Oh, my God, this number is so low. The Bengals aren't going to spend anything on the cap. I read this immediately at like 10 p.m. last night. And I knew that it would elicit a lot of reactions. And I thought, you know what? We need to say something. But we need to say it in a way that will get people to listen it will not be in an attacking way it'll just get it'll just present the facts present the information in a calming manner and this is what i came up with i love it uh let's let's play it for the folks here we'll expand it we'll go full screen and here we go hi if you're watching this you might be freaking out about reading jeff hobson's latest article <laughs> on bangles.com in the article Hobson lays out the Bengals' potential free agency plans, including re-signing C.G. Uzama, B.J. Hill, and Larry Ogunjobi. Hobson also mentions that the team is looking to upgrade the offensive line in some capacity. He says all of this after writing the following statement, quote, The only question is how the estimated $20 million available is going to be broken up. As you're well aware of, the Bengals have more than $20 million in salary cap space. The current number is about $35 million. Hobson is intimately aware of how the Cincinnati Bengals operate with the salary cap. He knows that every single year, the team likes to roll over approximately $10 million in salary cap space towards the following year. This gives them a higher cap to work with in future years. He also knows that the team has to allocate some salary cap space 
in order to pay for their upcoming NFL draft class. The estimated rookie pool for the Bengals draft class is approximately $7.5 million, but the Bengals only need $2.5 million in cap space to pay all of their draft picks. The sum of the estimated rollover amount and the cap space required to sign the rookie draft class is about $12.5 million. Taking away this estimated sum from the Bengals' current salary cap space is likely how Jeff Hobson came up with the $20 million figure that he mentioned in his article. However, later in the article, Hobson mentions that Trey Wayne's is all but an inevitable cap casualty, and his release will open up about $11 million in cap space. Trey Hopkins is also a highly speculated cap casualty, and his release will open up about $6 million in cap space. With Waynes and Hopkins likely coming off the books, this will give the Bengals about $50 million in salary cap space. After subtracting the estimated rollover and cap space required to sign draft picks, the Bengals will likely have just under $40 million in salary cap space to work with for their upcoming free agency class. That is significantly more than the $20 million figure that Hobson wrote about. However, Hobson, being a team employee, is not employed to write about speculation. He's employed to write about facts. And the fact is, the Bengals currently have $35 million in cap space. We hope that this has cleared up any confusion and that you have a wonderful day. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, man, that's just absolute gold. Absolute gold. Uh, and you can see why... John has like five times the amount of Twitter followers than I do because he puts out awesome stuff like that. Um, but you're right. And and quite honestly, we uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we took the air. Quite honestly, these things that Hobson put out there about like a significantly lower amount of money they would spend as opposed to what seemed to be the cap space available for a long time, he was actually kind of right. And then all of a sudden, uh, he, the, the Bengals would not spend close to what it seemed they have available. They would, uh, yeah, they roll over cash and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it's really these last two years where you go, and he still has has put that out there these past two years, three years, and that hasn't been the case. The Bengals have spent. Well, it's not only that, but he's been right because, like, if the team didn't have a Trey Waynes or a Trey Hopkins contract to get off the books – 35 million is the space, like after tagging Bates. And that that rollover estimate, that rookie cap or allocation that they have, like that still exists. So it would still be about 20 to 25 million to spend, but because they have an extra 17 million coming their way, and that's gonna get offset a little bit by a contract for a center, like that that would be the number, right? So like the process is the same. It's just that the circumstances have changed in recent years because Newsflash, the Bengals are starting to get some of these bad contracts off the books. So that is a new development that has been taking the case. But also, again, like Hobson doesn't have to write anything that he doesn't have to write about or that the team doesn't want getting out there. Like he doesn't have to go in and explain the Bengals have about 130 million in cash commitments and they typically spend just as much cash as whatever that year's salary cap is. So the Bengals are on pace again to spend about $80 million in cash, and that goes well beyond just putting $20 million into the into the salary cap this year. So, again, there's a lot of things that is left out of these Hobson articles because, again, he doesn't have to write all of it. He's a team employee. Like, there, there's a way, there's a method to his writing style and everything. You just have to read in between the lines, but everyone wants to take things so literal with some of the stuff, and they just, it seems like some people just don't learn. 
It's a great PSA. Um, and I think that's a good springboard into, I think you had a list of potential free agents that uh, we could be looking at and what seems realistic, what doesn't. I think, you know, Jensen obviously being part of that conversation um, just a couple minutes ago. Did you, you had a list, I think from PFF um, that I did. we were going to, we're going to potentially look at so we can do that and really what we're going to do just as kind of a for a few minutes is kind of a free agency kickoff um because we started a little bit late here too but um we're going to kind of look at some of the you know this is pff is this the ratings john um the the rankings rankings. yeah yeah so and we can kind of look at some of these from position standpoints and guys that seem realistic who are not obviously rumors and whatnot we were going to kind of do a a mock uh, off season um and whatnot but this this i think is a little bit more uh realistic here or a realistic practice so we can say how do we want to do this john do you want to go like scale of one to ten or do you want to say like hey you know we just talked jensen so he's right up there pff rank is 12 uh and you do see the um you know the different grades there uh, overall but what do you what do you what do you make of Jensen as a Bengal. I think that's, I don't know if that 95% number, I believe that we threw out earlier. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I don't know. I think it, I think it's a pretty realistic possibility. I, and I think that if the Bengals are going to spend big money this year, that's where it's going to go. hundred percent. I think he's, I do believe he's their top target at this point. I, I think just all the logic matched up with the rumors. It, it just seems like if they're targeting a guy, like he's their, first priority now that that may not mean that they sign him immediately or they come to agreement immediately when legal tampering begins um but i i think if they have a plan he's at the top of that list and it's just a matter of if he goes elsewhere where do they pivot do they pivot to maybe a top tier guard maybe that maybe that's the thing if they don't get ryan jensen or bradley bozeman if both those guys leave do they pivot to a, a guard on this list? Like Brandon Scherf, he's expected to get, you know, PFF's projecting him 16 and a half million per year. Could be like he's, this is the first time he's entering the open market, but you know, maybe a Lakin Tomlinson is in the equation. Like he's been linked to the Bengals, I think very briefly, maybe once or twice. Um, there's the connection with their new linebackers coach, James Betcher. He came, he comes from San Francisco. So there is at least a connection there. Lakin Tomlinson is also, on the same offensive line that Riley Reef was at with the Lions when Brian Callahan was in Detroit, so there's a connection there. But I guess just go, real quick, going going back to Jensen, I, I think that he is their top target, and everything kind of follows what happens with him. If they sign him, then maybe they go after maybe a, a lesser-known guard or a more inexpensive guard to complement him. And if they don't sign him, I, I think then, then they transition to going out of their comfort zone and looking at a top guard. I agree with you. And I don't think Scherf is in the plans there. You, you know, you, you got him kind of in the frame there. I, I don't, I, it, the, the expensive nature of him. And I, I would like to think, Hey, if you get Jensen, maybe a guy like Tomlinson is still in the, you know, uh, in the realm of possibility, but I'm kind of with you. I think you're looking at a, a top, you know, potentially if you get a Jensen, that's a top tier signing uh, based on who's available and at that position and whatnot, then you may have to go, you know, tier tier two ish, tier three ish. I guess Tomlinson would be a tier two type of player, right? Um, so I, I just I don't know that I I don't know that I see a Jensen and a Tomlinson together. You know, I would see a Jensen and a you know 
a Moses type of player because that seems to be a more team-friendly deal and a guy that can come in and maybe work. Uh, and I hate to keep sticking just on Moses. I just feel like there's there's a fit there and there's you know a possibility where there's some flexibility where they can get a guy. But then, then John, you're looking at Jensen, who's going to be 31, and then Moses, who's on the wrong side of 30 as well. And those are two starters on your offensive line. How viable is that? Um, whereas a guy like, well, Tomlinson's at 30 as well. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why not a lot of offensive linemen hit the open market. If you have a great, if you have a great one, you typically put money into him. And, you know, Tomlinson has really re- revitalized his career in San Francisco. And I think Joe, Gib- Joe Goodberry mentioned this uh, a couple days ago. Like there's a question as to does the scheme kind of hide Tomlinson's potential shortcomings in pass protection because it's a lot of misdirections, a lot of play action, mm-hmm. and maybe his production is a little bit boosted from that. So maybe that in turn affects his market a little bit. I think he's still in line to get a, a decent payday, but it's just whether or not the Bengals actually make a run for that, considering the position that he plays. Lakin Thompson, like you said, would be at like a tier two guard, and I would put this guy down here, Austin Corbett, kind of in that same tier as an, an, another guy with with similar ability, but. 26 years old compared to 30 years old, right? So maybe Austin Corbett's value increases because there's, you know, he's more on the younger side. He comes from a winning program. He's obviously really been really productive as a pass protector there for the Rams and just that scheme in general. Like, I, I think Corbett along with Tomlinson are the two guys that I would think if, if they go after an expensive guard, I think it's going to be one of these two. Like, mm-hmm. there's obviously Taylor can just make a call. To Sean McVay to ask him about Corbett and stuff like that, but obviously there's scheme familiarity in that sense. Yep, uh, there's not there's not a crossover like uh, Taylor was not there when Corbett was because Corbett was drafted in 2018 by the Browns and he was traded to the Rams the the year after uh, Taylor took the job mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. So there's not a, a rock solid connection there, but I think Corbett's age, his position, he's been a career right guard ever since he came into the league. He played. A little bit. I think he practiced at center at the Senior Bowl when he came out, but I think he was a, a guard at Nevada, or maybe it was a tackle. So he's been he's been all over the line, but he's found a spot at guard. That is a hundred percent a spot that the Bengals need to, to to solidify. If his price doesn't completely balloon over like the fifteen million dollar range, I think he is a guy that they pivot to if they don't get Jensen. But again, Anthony, if they sign Jensen and they sign a guy like Tomlinson to Corbett. Those are going to be high cap hits. If, if we're talking about the way that the Bengals mm-hmm. structure contracts, and that is basically all of their external free agency money. Like th- it would just be those two guys. And maybe some fans would be down for that, but that's not typically how the Bengals do business. It's not. It, so there, it would be a, a large, a very large pivot from how they traditionally do business. But, you know, you look at, at not the write up and the grades at Corbett here, you know, obviously the wide zone offensive scheme, that's, that, that's right. In, in the wheelhouse. And then you look at what I like about him and granted it comes with increased snaps, but it could go the other way <laughs> with increased snaps. But you look at 2019, 542 total snaps, a 51.8 grade. And then all of a sudden a huge leap by uh, about 22 pl- points or so in tw- the year after in 2020 a 73.4 PFF grade. And then right around that same grade for their championship season, it's still, pains me to say that uh 69.6 pff grade with increased snaps 1360 but still right around that 70 mark which is kind of which what, what you want and when you see that green shade 
in terms of PFF and scores, that's that's a good thing as opposed to that orange or red. So, you know, I like to I like the improvement and I like to see that improvement in conjunction with the age. You know, um, that's 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 what I like. And I do think that's uh, he may not be as talented or, uh, you know, uh, as established maybe as a Tomlinson or whatnot. But I like the age. I like that he may be a tiny bit more affordable. I, I do think that there is a situation wherein you maybe if you do get a Jensen, this would be a guy that you then go to for in terms of affordability and still upgrading your offensive line. So I, I like that idea. I think it's possible again, though. I think that would be a major, major pivot from how the Bengals have traditionally approached free agency outside free agency. Yeah, and the, the price is going to determine a lot of this, but I, I think Corbett fits the mold of an ascending player and the Bengals like to invest in guys who haven't played their best ball yet because a you in theory would get them a little bit cheaper a little bit less than the value that then they turn into aka trey hendrickson and chitabe wuzier so maybe that becomes the case here but it does sound like corbett's going to get some type of a, of a decent sized bag i don't think that's necessarily the case with this next guy andrew norwell mm. guy is from cincinnati he played high school at anderson i believe his family still lives here there was a weird weird report from dave lapham about his family not necessarily doing too well, but he was drafted by the Panthers. He got a huge bag by the Jaguars. He's been there for, I think, three or four years now. Um, he played one year under his former head coach in Urban Meyer, and now he's looking to get maybe one final contract here. He's the same age as Lake and Tomlinson. He's 30, but he's nowhere near the same athlete. He's not necessarily a, a scheme fit for in terms of run blocking, but the guy's just been a rock-solid pass protector for many, many years. At left guard, I don't know if he would switch to right guard. I think if you sign him, you play him at his natural position where he's been at his entire career. But for a guy who potentially could want to come back home for maybe a little bit less compared to where else he, he would get. And also just to play for a contender. I don't think the Panthers were any good when he was a, a contributor there, maybe outside of their Super Bowl run. And obviously, I mean, being with the Jags is probably probably miserable. So going to <laughs> going to a contender at 30 years old, looking for your first ring. I think that's also an incentive too. And if the Bengals are just prioritizing guys to just create a stable pocket, you know, figure out run blocking later, just just give Burrow some time. I think he's a guy that could take a little bit less than what his projected value here, like seven and a half million. I don't foresee him getting maybe that much, but also, you know, the guard market tends to be a little bit larger than we think it is. Like no one really thought that Kevin Zeiler was going to get as much as he did with the Ravens. So, you know, maybe this is a little bit lower for Andrew Norwell. Yeah, and you you mentioned Corbett, you know, potentially an ascending player, but the good news about all these guys, and I guess the plus, which is a bit of an obvious statement, but a plus of these guys being at 30 years old and above for some of these guards is it's not it's not the development issue. There's not, I mean, it's just these guys are gonna come in and play, right? And they're gonna play. And and when you look at the grades again for Norwell, um about a thousand, if not slightly over a thousand snaps, um, you know. 1,088 in 2019, 801 in 2020, 1,078 in 21. I mean, you're getting mid to high 60s in the PFF scores. That's not outstanding, but it's it's solid. And like you said, it's he's been a, a good pass protector. Um, run blocking's been a, a little bit lesser down the, the pecking order for him in terms of performance than, than pass protection. But the name of the game this year in this offseason for the Bengals, as you mentioned, is at least giving some semblance of a 
decent pocket with some form of regularity for, for Joe Burrow to let him do his thing. And again, this is one of those things where you go, well, maybe that doesn't move the needle a ton, but it's an effective and potentially more affordable option to pair up with Jensen. But then you got, you know, potentially a little bit of an age issue with both those guys starting on your offensive line. Yeah. And they dealt with this last year too. Like Quinn Spain is 31 this year. Riley Reef is, it just turned 33. So, I mean, they're not new to the idea of having a elderly offensive lineman, if you will, mm-hmm. compared to the rest of their, to, to the rest of their team. But yeah, like if you, if you expect them to invest a lot of money, you expect them to be under 30, unless that's just what the market gives them. We have a comment from Randy E. Green, Armstead and like seven uh, exclamation points. No, it's not going to happen. Let's just clear the air of that. Like they're not going to pay Taron Armstead the money that he wants because he's going to get, a ton of money and unfortunately it's like it's it's armstead and it's moses and it's not a ton of available tackles like we can sort this only by tackles here and outside of of armstead like orlando brown was franchise tagged he wants a long trip deal with the chiefs Dwayne brown it's gonna be 37 like who knows how how good he's gonna be for this long moses like anthony mentioned last week is a very stable option eric fisher is reportedly not going to Resign mm-hmm. with the Indianapolis Colts, but he's a left tackle, and who knows if he's enough to move Jonah Williams off of that position. Trent Brown is a really interesting variable here. Like I know he's still young, and he has been productive with the Patriots, but th- that's just a known risk now. Having him gone to the Raiders, not been a good player for them, and then going back to the Patriots and being solid, it just seems like something that you should probably avoid. And then it's Riley Reef and a bunch of guys who are probably less than him. So, Anthony, like it, it kind of does seem like it, it looks to be the interior that the Penguins are prioritizing, and then just unfortunately, kind of pushing tackle maybe towards the draft or maybe just relying on the guys that they have on the roster. That's what it would seem like. Yeah, either tackle in the draft or again, um, you know, who knows? You would think based on preseason and what we saw from these guys in the regular season last year, you would think that they are envisioning guard for Carmen and Deontay Smith, but who knows about the development there and what they have in mind for those two guys. You know, I don't think at this point, based on what we've seen, Akeem Adenogy, Fred Johnson, any of those guys are going to be developmental guys that are going to be your starting right tackles at this point. The, the, the sample size, while it's relatively small, it's, it's there. And, uh, you know, I just, I think you either go for a, you know, a rental option here. And then I, I still think even if the Bengals go with a, you know, a, a ta- if the plan is we're going to get a tackle high in the draft, whether that's first round or second round, I still think they, they look at one of these rental veteran options, whether that's bringing back Reef, whether that's Moses, whether that's, you know, someone else there. I think they, they want a, a veteran presence there for the right tackle spot potentially. Yeah, and they don't really have that on the roster right now. So it's just a matter of, you know, is is a guy going to take a deal that Riley Reef took because they're not going to pay anywhere close to what some of these top tackles want. So let's just kind of wrap this up here because free agency is a week away and we're going to find out how much this Bengals offensive line has actually changed. So let's just both give out two names that we think are going to be Bengals and maybe let's attach like some type of a of a confidence meter as to as to how confident you are that those two guys are going to be here so if you could name two guys 
that you think the Bengals are going to sign on the offensive line, who would they be and how confident are you in that? Well, initially I wasn't very confident in, in the Jensen situation, but it just seems that more and more smoke is there. So, you know, I would say, but we, we've also seen the Bengals engage in, in these talks and these interests. And all of a sudden there's, uh, you know, they're, they're going to sign this guy. They're going to sign this guy. And then all of a sudden the, the contract breaks down. Remember, remember the whole, uh, who was a Shaq Barrett a couple years ago? Um, you know, so there, I mean, there's all kinds of different things that happen where you think they've got these guys in the fold, but I tend to think that they are really, really heavily prioritizing offensive line. I think a really sound move would go with Jensen and, and a guy like Corbett that would move things. But, um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with my guy Moses as a, as a rental tackle option. And I'm going to say I'm about 65%, 70% sure that that that's an option they look at uh, and and get done. And then I think also, I think the Jensen deal, I'm pretty confident in that at this point, I'd say about 80, 80%. Those are the two that I see that can uh, potentially come in, help you right away. It brings some veteran stability. And even though they're up there in age, the durability is there for both of those guys, which which is nice. And I guess I'm a little partial to him because I did my, <laughs> my free agent profiles on him. But I, I just I see those as being really viable options and options that are also financially feasible for the team. At least yeah. Moses. I, I think I'm also in agreement with Jensen here. Not not for the sake of like, oh, I really hope this happens. Like I just think that that is the guy that they're targeting. And, you know, they kinda they kinda have these these guys every single year now when they're active in free agency and it does seem like Jensen is the guy if he doesn't come to the Bengals, I think he's probably gonna stay in Tampa Bay. But like who knows what that situation is right now? No one knows who the quarterback is going to be. Jensen's already won a ring there, he's been paid a ton there. You know, if I were him, obviously I would look at the Bengals as the, the chance to kind of can prolong my career in an offense that passes the ball a lot and you know, playing with a great quarterback that is reminiscent of Tom Brady in some sense. So I, I think they have enough to lure jensen in unless he gets a deal that's completely unforeseen and good for him go chase that bag if that's available but i think they will end up signing jensen there's just too much attached to it and on top of that you would like to see them get a top guard to go with him but i don't think that they're going to be financially willing enough to do that which is why i kind of lean towards this guy that we're seeing on the screen right here mark Lewinsky from the Mm. indianapolis colts just a stable solid right guard not nothing too bad or great about him as a player it's about the same age as Jensen. he's going to turn 30 this year but just a guy that won't break the bank at that position like they're going to pay a little bit more probably than what they paid like Clint Bowling but I, I just think at this point in a year's time you're negotiating with Joe Burrow on a mega um, uh, on a mega ex- extension you don't want to enter those negotiations after he was sacked another 50 times or whatnot or maybe something bad happens again i think they just realize that they kind of have to fix this now and it starts with building from the inside out pushing tackle down to the draft or for one of these development guys i think Lewinsky and jensen two stable veterans to fill in two spots that they absolutely absolutely need maybe bring jack um quinn spain like a one-year deal to compete with jackson carmen or deontay smith at left guard but jensen Lewinsky just create two-thirds of, of a stable pocket inside I like it. Yeah, not a name that I think a lot of folks would, regu- you know, readily be like, oh yeah, I know him. But you know, again, just steady 
and uh, that's 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 kind of what you need a lot of these spots, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you got to bring that steadiness on the offensive line. So yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't, I don't know that I see a true multiple swing for the fences type of situation on the offensive line. And as somebody, a couple of people, Stephen McCoy and Leroy Thomas in our, in our live chats here, you know, what about our own guys? I mean, that, that also, I mean, we're talking about outside guys only here with the exception of Spain. I mean, you still have the two interior defensive tackles that the Bengals are, got to weigh Ogunjobi and Hill. And then they, you've got Yazama, you've got others in the mix that they want to keep. I would assume some most or all of those guys set to hit the free agent market. Yeah. I, I think that you're going to see one of, of Hill or Ogunjobi retained, but I don't think they're going to have enough to bring back both. I think one of them, at least one of them is going to take a deal uh, outside of Cincinnati. That's going to be too good to pass up. I don't think that Apple, at this point is coming back and if he does it'll be it'll be because they whiffed on one of their cornerbacks and he's just going to be available for them in like the second or third week of free agency but i think there is enough support with spain in the locker room to bring him back on a one-year deal they just need as many bodies as they can on offensive line and i'm pretty damn confident that uzama is coming back at this point i don't think he's going to get too lucrative of a deal i know that there's been a lot of tags that have been handed out to tight ends and free and free agency and the market's a little bit drier than it used to be but i just think that uzama is the one guy that they can be like you know what we love you here you love being here just just come on back for this deal like i think that gets done i do i do too and i think he's got a soft spot for the team and and you know everything that happened last year he was a big catalyst of it so uh and coming off coming off a career year for him too which is excellent for him so and he's he's another fun guy in terms of a story with the you know how his career trajectory has gone with you know, we talk about Trey Hopkins and how he's bounced on and off the roster and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, you look back at CJ Uzama and he didn't even have a position coach uh, at Auburn when he was uh, working as a tight end. That was kind of the funny Damn, thing with all true. that. I never knew that. Yeah, that was kind of one of the things that came out uh, when he was drafted by the team. One of those project athlete type of guys and has, has carved a nice niche for himself in the in the league. And I think he wants to maybe run it back. We'll see what happens there. But there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about next week. We're going to probably try and get Andre Parada on to get some salary cap uh, information and whatnot. Uh, so we'll try and get him on along with some other guests. We had all kinds of other plans tonight, but we went extra long. So we're, we're going to start wrapping things up here. Um, we'll, we'll push off, I think just for the sake of time, we'll push off a, a new segment that we had in mind. We'll push that off for, uh, either next week or the week after, depending on how things go. We've got a long off season ahead and an exciting off season ahead. So let's drop the mic and get out of here, John. What, what do you got for us? <laughs> I, I was about to, um, say that when we were going through those guards, like what, what a scene it would be a year later. For Trey Turner to come to Cincinnati. Oh man, who Trey? Yeah, yeah. How about that for a remember when? You know, Great Barrier yeah. Reef. You got Galladay, who Trey? What what is the next? Like, how does Ryan Jensen not have a hashtag yet for the Bengals? How's that yeah, not trending well, yet? What would that be? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. His name, his name just doesn't work. You know, there's something catchy to kind of cut, cut the. Yeah, I, I that, that's all I got though. I just yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, he kind of was up and down last year with the with the Steelers. Anyway, he was up and down last year. Uh, what was it with the Chargers? Right, um, the year prior with the Chargers, mm-hmm. I think. Um, after having a great run, a great start to his career, 
and then kind of was up and down last year. And that that's here's the thing too. And I guess this is my mic drop a little bit. We're talking about a lot of these prospects or uh, free agent potentials, these free agent guys on the outside. Be aware that the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers may be in contention for the services of some of these guys because those those teams are all looking to obviously they got to figure out what works best for the respective schemes and whatnot. But there are already a lot of players being linked to these teams together. Um, you know, I mean, Bozeman's out there now for the Ravens, so they're going to probably look at him and other centers, Jensen, etc. Uh, you know, guard, Trey Turner's now a free agent guard. So obviously, and Pittsburgh is in the midst of re- retooling their offensive line. So do not be surprised if there is direct competition between some of the offensive linemen in free agency between the Bengals and their AFC North rivals. Pretty much, you know, the Steelers now have cap space for the first time in a long time. Now that they yeah. don't have the albatross of a contract that Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger had, Ravens are always going to be retooling, but you know, even though the Steelers are in like unforeseen territory and you know the Ravens are, are getting back, the Bengals have some competition in, in the division. But God, it is so good to be talking about this team and not having to cover either of the Seahawks or the Commanders. Yes. Yes. Man. Uh wacky, wacky week for quarterbacks and everything going on there. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz with the Commanders and Oh, Russ to the Broncos. I was on a text thread with uh, some some friends, and one guy's a big Seattle Seahawks guy, and uh, he, you know, he was his emotions were kind of all over the map with that thing. And then, of course, you've got some news about a mega extension for Aaron Rodgers. A lot of stuff with the quarterbacks. A lot of stuff with the quarterbacks. But yes, um, I, I am with you. We're, we don't have to talk about that kind of stuff covering the Bengals. We talk about it from the outside looking looking in, I guess, and that's. That's always a good thing. I appreciate the compliment here. John and I appreciate the compliment from DD. Great content and enjoying the discussion. Appreciate that. Hopefully you all, most of you are in agreement and we appreciate the support again. Get the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe to it. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major ones. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is right below that. Cincy Jungle logo in the bottom corner if you're tuning into our YouTube channel. And, of course, keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, all kinds of free agency breaking news, rumors, all that stuff. We got you covered. John, I'll be talking to you soon. Have a good week, bud. Have a good week, man. All right. Take it easy, everybody. We will see you soon.